0: If you turn your attention to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, just two verses because these verses are full of beautiful truth, applicational truth for us as we study here in in the second chapter of this letter of this church that was on fire, this church that was exciting, this church that uh, faced a lot of difficulty and trial and tribulation, a church that was Actually, thriving in the midst of that adversity, and we want to be a church like that. I, I want to be a church like that. I want us to be a church like that amen we 're going to face stuff in life there 's no question there. The question is what are we going to do when we face the stuff? Are we going to throw our hands up in the air and surrender? Or are we going to face that adversity in the power of Jesus Christ? I pray that we face that adversity in the power of Jesus Christ, and so this morning a worthy walk and notice verse 12 with me that you would walk worthy of God and let's stop there for just a moment and I think a lot of us I know I myself at times God well how can I be worthy of God Uh, the whole Bible basically says that in one sense on one side of the equation we're actually unworthy Uh, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God that doesn't seem like worthiness For all of our righteous works are as filthy rags. They're they're nothing compared to the righteousness of God. That none of us, in fact, Paul would write there, Romans 3 plainly declares that there is none righteous, not one. And so some people go so far as to say, well, it's such a high standard, why even try? Yeah, I'll just do my best. Family of God, this passage presents to us a truth that I think actually is the secret to success in your walk with the Lord. It's a worthy walk. It's a walk that's worthy of the name with which we have been called. When you think about it, you are a child of God by the blood of Christ, through his life, given for yours, and now we have this privilege of taking this life that's been given to us, Because we have new life in Christ. Amen? We're we're now new creations in Christ Jesus and the old things have passed away. The question is, what are you going to do with what God's given you? God wants us to be worthy in our walk or to have a worthy walk. Father, would you bless us now with the truth of your word Would it be more than head knowledge? Would it become heart knowledge? And then would it move to our actions, our hands, so that we might be well-pleasing to you? Help us to live worthy lives for you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. That you would walk worthy of God. Remember that our last two studies have been these incredible characteristics of greatness. The character of Christ lived out in our lives. And so now it should not surprise you It ought not be something that's an amazement to you that the Apostle Paul, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, would actually tell us, well, now that you know these things, let's do something with it. You see, because your Bible isn't just something that is supposed to be in your head, it's supposed to go to your heart, and then, metaphorically speaking, you should reach your hands or go to action. In other words, you do something with it. That you would walk worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. Folks, we do not any longer live for ourselves. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Amen? Amen. And I that life that I now live, I live for Him. I have been called into kingdom living and kingdom glory right now. Now there is a literal kingdom of heaven, but remember what the prayer was... Lord, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done, where? On earth, On earth as it is yes. in heaven. So we're supposed to be living kingdom lives now. It's not something that's just future. It's today. And so often, we as the body of Christ, we live this little, this little microcosmic portion Of God's kingdom because we don't see it the way we should. God wants us to live kingdom lives now. A worthy walk. His own kingdom and glory of that kingdom. And verse 13 goes on to say, And for this reason we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you receive, notice the focus, the word of God. Which you heard from us. When the apostle Paul spoke, he wasn't hey, Can I tell you how to insult me? Just give you a little secret. You ever want to just totally like get underneath my skin? You really want to just get to me. Say something like, that was a great speech. Hopefully it's not a speech. I'm trying to translate to you and give you the literal living word of God to take what his word says and give it some sense and meaning so you can do something with it. It's not supposed to be a speech. Paul did not go and give speeches in Thessalonica. He went and taught authoritatively the word of the Lord. It was God's word that came forth from his lips to the hearts of man. And so when we treat what we hear in the word that way, these are kingdom principles that are available for us for kingdom living. They're not just old dead words that were written by some dude a long time ago that we kind of, well, that's nice. It's literally God's word. And so he says, look, you received the word of God which you heard from us and now noticed how they got this they welcomed it and not as the word of men it wasn't just some place where they gathered together to watch some guy roam around on a platform and wave his hands I mean I can't help myself that's just the way I am It's not about the delivery method. It's about the fact that the words of the Lord were being spoken into the hearts of those people. And they're the same today for us. This is God's word. We should be welcoming it. A lot of people look at the Bible like, oh, no, not that. They're almost afraid of it at times. I've actually had people tell me, well, I don't read the book of Romans. I don't read the book of James. I don't read the book of 1 Corinthians. I don't read those books because I don't want to hear what they have to say. You know why that is? Because they already know some of what's in there. They're like, well, I read that, and I think it's you know it's the Word of God, so I don't want to hear the Word of God, so I don't hear the Word of God, then I don't have to do the Word of God. They, they act like this. But that's, the, that's what happens. We're supposed to welcome it. If you've got an issue in your life, you want God to speak into that issue. Even if it means means you need to change. Even if it means, heaven forbid, you're wrong. (laughs) You, You see, we need to welcome the word of God into our lives. And the church at Thessalonica did that. They welcomed the hearing of the word of God. Not the word of men. And notice how he goes in great length here to define what it is that he's talking about. But as it is, in truth, the word of God. He says, look, this is truth. It's God's truth. The truth of these words that I'm speaking is that it's not from me, it's from God. He's reiterating for the purpose of illustration. He's saying, lest you get confused. Another way for you to understand it is very often... In in public speaking, one of the ways that you drive home a point is by repetition from a different point or place. Amen? You, you, You repeat it slightly differently so that someone who may have not gotten it the first time gets it the second time or the third time. That's exactly what God is doing through this particular passage. He's saying, look, in case you missed it, this is not Paul's word. It's not a speech. This is God's word. Oh, and by the way, it didn't come from Paul in the first place. And in case you didn't get that, it's truth. And that truth is God's truth. He's clearly defining the focus here of this walk. He's saying if you want to know how to walk according to God's plan and purpose in your life, then you need to be looking at your Bible, not the world, not people. Now, people can help you, people can give you good godly counsel. People can help you understand what the Word of God actually says. Those things are all true. But we want the truth of God's Word. One of the problems that we have is we live in a world that almost doesn't acknowledge the existence of truth as we know it. Truth is relative. It's how you feel about it. Can I tell you something? God doesn't care how you feel about the Word of God. It's truth. You're supposed to receive it and take it in and believe it and then act on it. God's not concerned about how you feel about the word. You're supposed to just simply receive it with gladness and joy and welcome it and say, Lord, man, I must really need what you're giving me right now because this is confronting the way I normally act and respond. You see, it's supposed to transform us. We're not supposed to change it. For it is, in truth, the word of God, which also, check this out, effectively works in you who believe. It is the word of God at work in the heart and mind and actions of people that actually is the transformative power. That's why it is powerful. It is sharp. It's what works in us. You see, if I don't take in the word, then I don't have the power that I need for this world that we live in. And I'll certainly not see the kingdom and the glory in my life unless I know what that kingdom and glory is supposed to look like. And so let's break this passage down. Look, we all have our inadequacies. We all have our failures. But what's being expressed here is really our purpose. What's in view is in the word that. That. It's the focus. This is the thing that we're supposed to be looking at. That you would walk worthy. That you and I would say, look, this is my goal. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to become. This passage isn't about winning his approval. It's about having actions that could be approved of by God. It's about a walk. And so in order for us to understand that, it's easiest for you to think about what is your motivation? What is your your MO? What is your method of operation? What is your operational dynamic of your life? How do you determine what it is that you should do? And so he uses this word walk, and and I want to help you understand it a little bit better from the perspective in which it was actually written by the Apostle Paul, as the Holy Spirit spoke it into his life. Then the word walk was actually two words, and it meant around and walk. And it was a comparative term. In other words, if you had something, let's say it was a city, if you wanted to understand it, you would walk around it. It was an around walk. You would check it out from every angle and perspective. It was not you'd look at it and go, oh, that's green, it was, you would check it out from every side, you'd see if the color was different, you would examine it in such a way that you had fully integrated every viewpoint you could possibly get to know what it is that you were trying to look at. It means to a round walk. In our day and time, probably most of you have heard about a walkabout, which the Aboriginal people of Australia... When they would decide that it was time for them to hear from the great spirit, they would go on a walkabout. We'll make this ease today. So instead of, I'm going to instruct you, I think it's a great idea for you to go on a Christian walkabout. And what they would do is they would set out with no specific direction, no specific purpose, but they would simply go to interact with the entire world that they were in, that they were in. So they would simply wander into the outback, and everything that they could possibly learn, they would learn. And they would come back when they were done learning. I would say to you, for God's Word, that's a great practice to have. You pick up God's Word, you start on a journey, you have no idea where it will take you, but you learn everything you can by walking around, walking about, walking in. You make it your goal, your aim, to learn everything you can about what's in that book. You go on a walkabout with God. You make it your new MO. I just want to be like Jesus. When you think about that for a moment, these passages I have, there are, there are literally dozens of them in the New Testament. The same word used in each one of them to walk, to walk about in, to lay side by side along, to go around, to examine. You see, it doesn't just mean to put one foot in front of another. It means to go any direction in every direction, above, below, beside, wherever, in order to discover all that God has for us. And so we're supposed to walk, again, walk around the newness of life. Is there any part of your life that's not new? Is there some area that you've left that's untouched? It's all supposed to be hold, All things are becoming new. Amen. You see, our whole life is supposed to be made new in that sense. And if you get this principle, it becomes a practice. And if you make it a practice, it becomes your life, doesn't it? The way you get great at anything is by practice, amen? Nobody gets great at anything without practicing it. You can be good at something, but you won't be great without practice. You can just be naturally gifted. But you can literally get better with practice. You become more perfect in that sense. Same principle is in view. For we walk by faith and not by sight. You see, I'm supposed to look at faith from every angle. I'm supposed to wander around with Jesus, and everywhere I go, I look to that faith. Lord, what are you doing in faith in this area of my life? I'm walking by faith. I want to walk in the light. I'm supposed to take and go out on a journey with God and say, God, shine light on every area of my life. I want to walk with you. My new method of operating is I'm going to go anywhere, everywhere with God and everything I do is going to be touched by Him. Everything, every word, every thought, every deed, all that you are is supposed to be exposed to this new walk that you have with the Lord. That's how it becomes worthy. We're supposed to walk in the Spirit, Galatians 6. Chapter 5 also tells us the same thing, but we have this beautiful picture of walking in the Spirit. Ephesians 5 reminds us that we're supposed to walk in love. It's the same principle in each passage. Do you see how it becomes your new way of living? I'm saying, Lord, I want to go on a journey with you of love. I, I want to go on a journey of faith with you. I, I want to go on a journey of light with you. Let's go for a walk, Lord. How many of you have ever had this experience in your life? You got something that goes on. Maybe it's a few words that are exchanged, and you will say to your spouse, if you're married, maybe somebody close, if you're if you're not, but you will say, "I need to go for a walk." Sometimes I go for long ones. (laughs) Happens less and less. But as you think about, why do you do that? Because you need to clear yourself of all the stuff that you're engaged in, right? Whether it's words or deeds, maybe something was said or done. And so you say, I need to go for a walk. You know why that is? Because y'all need an attitude adjustment. Right? So who's going to adjust your attitude if you're walking worthy? You're asking God to adjust your method of operation and your attitude to fit His standards. It's a beautiful picture of how to get there, family of God. To walk worthy of God is to walk according to the Word. It's to have everything in your life examinable. You you pull it out, you pull out the Word and go... That's right. That's doing that over here. But see, too many of us are like those people that I forementioned. Well, I, I know that it says I'm not supposed to do those things, so I won't read that passage of Scripture. I'll let that one go. You see, ultimately, our lives should reflect His character. That's why I said you should be a mirror of Christ. You reflect the character that's found in the Word. That's the easiest way for you to understand. You see, sometimes people will say, well, do you have any good books on that? And I go, yes. It's the same one. <laughs> and what am I referring to? I'm referring to the Word of God. And so I'll give them some Bible passages and say, well, do you have anything else? I go, no. Because that's truth. Everything else may or may not be related to that truth. But that I can tell you is true. And so I want to be guided by the Word of God. That way God would be proud of us, proud of me, proud of you. I I want the Lord to be able to say, yeah, that's my child. That's my son. Now, anymore, because we are a sports-obsessed nation, uh, we now have the new Infant Football League, the IFL, and on their onesies, it says, you know, it's got their number on there. It's like everybody, it seems like, has had some coaching experience or they're involved in some kind of league or something, you know. It's like I'm in the eating league or whatever. It, we have, it's like everyone, it seems like, has either been a coach or been under a coach or in some way, shape, or form. So I'm going to use a coaching analogy for you. We want coach to be proud of us. Look, that is my son. Jeff, that that is God saying, look, he's read the manual, he's read all the plays, he's studied, he's practiced, and he's really, really, really good. Now, in order for that to happen in our lives, we want to be a credit to the one who's coached us. I've had some coaching experience. It's an amazing thing to coach young people in, in sports. And the light goes on, and they get it, and all of a sudden, you know, they're just playing way beyond wherever they used to be able to play. You you sit there, and you're you're on the sidelines, and you can see them. They're overlooking at you, and you know the shot goes in, and it's like you want God to be looking at you and going, "Good job, well done." Way to run that route, way to shoot the ball, way to go. And to that end, you've got to subject yourself to the coach. You've got to say, Look, uh, okay, tell me what I'm doing wrong, coach. Tell me what I'm doing right, coach. And you do both as a good coach. You say, Look, you got this nailed. This is good, but you know what? You need to dribble five times as long with your left hand as you do your right. Because right now, all I got to do is go to your left, and you ain't going nowhere. You you see, you get your faults pointed out when the coach gets involved in your life. When you read the Word of God, the coach is going to get involved in every area of your life. Every area. And so, what happens is he sets the standard, it's his kingdom. It's His glory. If you want to get to the playoffs, you got to do things His way. Amen? Yeah. You, you have to. There's no shortcut. You subject yourself to what He wants to do in your life. And to that end, I'll give you another example. I was a pole vaulter in high school. I had a coach. I absolutely hated him to death. <laughs> he, he was just He was just mean. But I've now come to love his coaching style. Coach Herzog was one of those guys that no matter what you did, it was never good enough. You could win the state title in anything, and he'd be, well, you could have gone higher. He was that kind of coach. And one of the things as a pole vaulter that you have to get over is that there's a limit someplace up there in the air. So I ask you the question is, how high is the bar in your life? As a believer, you know where the bar is? heaven and the cross that's where the bar is amen Amen. so what coach herzog would do is he would always no matter what you were doing as a pole vaulter he would say raise the bar two more inches and i'm like i'm just gonna miss he'd go raise the bar two more inches and you know what happens you get sick of listening to him whine you raise it two more inches and you clear the next height and then you hear raise the bar two more inches You know why? Because you could infinitely keep raising the bar until you get to Olympic Heights, which are over 20 feet now. You you see, what happened then was, in order for you to get better, you have to remember you can always go higher. The same is true in your walk with the Lord. Because the goal that you're shooting at is the heavens and Christ, the perfection of God. And so it's His kingdom and His glory. That's how high the bar is. And that's what we let shine before men. That's why Jesus said that. You see, when we keep raising the bar, you see, because anybody can lower the bar. I remember a meet one time where I knew I was, I just knew I was better than everybody that was in the meet. And so I lowered the bar down to where I knew I could clear it. And so I cleared it. And then I bide, and then I missed my next height. I just messed up three times in a row. No excuse for it. But you see, what happened was, lowering the bar actually messed with my head. Because I knew I was better than that. Lowering the bar in your life will mess with your head. And pretty soon you'll learn to accept a dumbed-down version of who you ought to be in Christ. You want to be glorious in the Lord. So how do we do this? We want to have the right attitude towards the the Word of God, towards the instruction manual. Notice what it says, for this reason. We also thank God without ceasing, because you received, notice again the focus, the Word of God, which you heard from us, and you welcomed it. You see, when you're getting instruction, you're getting coaching, <laughs> sometimes you don't welcome it. You're out there running lines, you're on a football team, you're, during, you're there during hell week, and you're, you're going to die. You, you want to die. basically, be better than going to practice. You see, the reason that that's important, that you keep moving, is because it takes and gets rid of all your own human expectations and allows you to go higher, allows you to go further, allows you to go faster. If you don't look at the goal as being something better than you already are, then you will only be as good as you already are. And look around the room. That ain't so hot. We can do better, amen? I know I can. Forget you guys. I can do better. I want to do better. I want to be great in the kingdom. You know, you don't want to have on your headstone the mediocre one. was really unremarkable in almost everything. <laughs> oh, you want to be great, amen? I want to be great in the kingdom. In order to do that, I need to give value to the Word of God. And so I need to receive it. I, I, I want Give me more coaching. So I read more of the Word. And I take it to heart. And I go out and put it to work. I get out on the field. You see, that should be our constant prayer. It's central it is central to successful ministry. And so as you receive the word, it means to have openness. It means to fully listen. You want to know the number one complaint that we get as, as doing marriage counseling here at the church? Number one complaint from ladies about their husband. It's not what you would think. They don't listen. In Jesus' name. Yeah. All the wise would yeah. preach it. Get them! It kind of tells you something about human nature. We're not prone to be good listeners. And so we read the Word of God like we listen to our spouse. Blah, 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 blah. What would you say, honey? All right, some of you guys are good listeners. But the point being this, we have to be attentive. we got to listen got to open both ears. There's a reason you have two of these and one of these. You need to listen. Let the Word of God come in. Because if it doesn't get in, you'll never do anything with it because you won't know what it is. It's almost silly what's being said here. Listen. Receive it. The second word there. And again, it's a beautiful principle. It it means to welcome. It emphasizes the appropriation of that understanding with gladness and with joy. It's like, great, I'm going to be better if I just do this, if I listen to it. You see, back to the coaching analogy, if you always look at coaches, you already know what he's going to say, then you're not listening and you will never be able to take that instruction and do anything with it because you're not hearing it and it's not coming with gladness. You're not welcoming it. You have to welcome it. You have to wait with bated breath for what God is going to speak to you. You open up your Bible and go, Speak to me, Lord. Show me my weak areas. Thank you for pointing out I've got a couple of strengths. Thank you for the encouragement that the Word is. You see, the Word does all kinds of things in our lives. We have to have an ear for God's Word. Too many people don't have an ear for God's Word. And if you remember that, that's why he says, look, you need to remember, it's God's Word. It's not the Word of man, not the Word of Paul, not the Word of Jeff. It's God's Word. He's trying to instruct us and say, look, here's some things you got going on. We need to adjust that a little bit. Here's some things you're doing really well. I want to encourage you a little bit because you get both. You know, some people look at the Word of God like, well, it's time for my beat down. No, it's not a beat down. He just wants you to be the best you can possibly be. So if there's something that needs to be corrected, you get corrected. If there's something you need to be encouraged in, you get encouraged. If there's a place you need to go, He will tell you how to get there. If there's something you shouldn't do, someplace you shouldn't go, then He will say, you know, you probably ought to avoid that area. It does all kinds of things. That's what a good coach does. That's what the Word does to us. Its The only book on the entire Earth that is claimed to be authored by God. It, it, it is fit. no prophecy, no scripture is of private interpretation, but wasn't by the will of man, but it's by the will of God, there Peter reminded us, or in second Peter, it came from God. And so he gives us his view of things. When you have his view, you have the right view, amen. That's the thing. People want to have their own view. They want to keep what they already have. In essence, they tell God, you know, I don't need your help with this. You always need God's help with everything, even if it's just a little adjustment. 2 Timothy reminds us look, all scripture is inspired by God, it's suitable for instruction, reproof, correction, helps us become more righteous. It's God's word. And God's not going to contradict himself. He's he's not going to give you one story one day and another story another day. You're going to get truth every time you go to God's word. And so that worthy walk is someone who looks at the world and says, how does the word of God relate to this situation? How does the word of God relate to this thing in my life? How about these words I'm going to say? How does the word of God affect what it is that I'm going to do and say right now? That's a worthy walk. That's someone who's got the right focus. That's someone who's with the back of their mind. What's coach telling me? What's happening right now in my life? To where I can say, Lord, I need you to speak into that area of my life. Because this word that I'm reading, it's truth. We have an awful lot of people in our world that don't think there is any such thing as Truth. God's Word is truth. It's eternal. The principles in it are for you today, for me today. They're not old and tired. They are timeless. Absolutely 100% accurate. That's why it says the Word effectively works. It's in the present tense. That word there is is the Greek word, energia. It comes to us as energy. It does something. It produces something in your life. His word is energetic to those who receive it with gladness and joy. It's like, okay, God, let's do this. Let's move out on that step of faith. Let's believe with action. You see, when you say you believe, but you will not act on what you believe, you have to actually ask yourself the question, do I really believe? When you say you believe, but you refuse to act on what you believe, you must ask yourself the question... Do you really believe? You see, because someone who truly believes something is willing to act on it. Someone who truly believes something is willing to act on it. It's energy to you, it energizes you, it causes you to walk around this world very differently. Get your eyes focused on heaven. Paul's team in Thessalonica believed this, lived this, and consequently their their lives were worthy walks. They were word walks. They were word wise, word filled. When you talk to these guys, these women, you you would have been talking to someone who's, I, I don't know, let's look and see what God's word says about it. That's a worthy walk. When you can say that your life stacks up to the criteria found in God's word, that is a worthy walk. It's worthy of that glory. It's worthy of that kingdom because that's where it came from. I pray that we walk worthy of the calling that God's placed on our lives to be his representatives in this world, to be salt, to be light, to be unashamed of coach and for a coach to be very proud of us for the worthy walk that we have while we're on this earth. Amen? Amen. Would you stand? Let's pray together. I want to encourage you. We've got a prayer team that if there's a need in your life, maybe you came today and you're wondering what it means to be a believer, to be a Christian in the first place. I'm going to give you an opportunity. The prayer team would love to pray with you and most assuredly to pray that prayer of salvation. And so if you've never heard the gospel message, Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on Calvary's cross to pay for your debt of sin so that you could walk a worthy life. We have a whole team that would love to share that with you. So avail yourself of it. The rest of us, Think about what Coach is saying to you. Work on those little areas. Improve so that we can make him proud. Amen? With our worthy walks. Father, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you for the constant reminders that we can always do better. Help us to keep the bar high in heaven. Help us to listen to your instruction through your word. God, that our walks would be so much like Jesus, that people would remark that we even look like him, talk like him, walk like him, act like him, live like him. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the power of your word to change us. Please do that, Lord. Make us more like Jesus today. We ask all of this in the wonderful name of our Savior. Amen.